Uh, I never started out to be a songwriter, didn't even have no idea about being a songwriter, but uh, many years ago, uh, we started singing a little bit, and God got to deal with me about maybe trying to write a song. And first song I ever wrote that, uh, uh, really, one of the first ones I ever wrote, I was working in a supermarket there in Mountain City. This has been 30-some years ago. And that day I was a little bit discouraged. The devil was just reminding me of things in my past that I wasn't proud of. And it's like the devil told me that day, he said, you know, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, some things you've done. I had to agree with him that day, but I didn't let him do all the talking. I said, I am ashamed of things I've done, but I'm not ashamed to stand and say that I love Jesus. And when I said that to my mind, all of a sudden words started coming to me and I grabbed a piece of cardboard and I began to write down these words and um, I took it home that day and told my wife, I said, I think I've wrote a song. Let's see if we can put some music to it. And that was the first one I ever wrote. And uh, back in 2006, we'd been singing it for years. And Brother Joe Arthur heard us sing it. And he asked me, he said, have you ever give that song to anybody? I said, I ain't never tried to. And uh, he said, I've been working with the inspiration of someone. I could hear them singing that. And I said, well, he said, I'll, I'll pitch it to them if you don't care. And I said, I don't care. Didn't think they'd do it. And next thing I knew, they recorded it. And not only recorded it, sent it out to radio all across the nation. And in 2006, it was a top 10 song in Southern Gospel music. And it was wrote on the dog food aisle of a grocery store. <laughs> now, only God can do that. And uh, the Lord's blessed me down through the years. I've written uh, a little over 100 songs now. And uh, matter of fact, I'm in the process right now of getting my first songbook published. I'll have about 30 of my best songs in it, and we're in the process of doing that right now. I get requests from churches everywhere I go if I've got sheet music on the songs, and so I'll have a songbook soon. And uh, it's just all God. It's every bit Him. But I appreciate the folks coming tonight. We've got more than I thought we'd have, so I'm already encouraged in the service. But anyway, you pray if, as we try to sing. Let me get my, and Brother Jamie, what are we going? Jesus is coming soon. We'll start out with. Sounded good. And we like it. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Colton, what key we in? Amen. Troubles will soon be yours, happy forever. 
got a song we're going to let these young girls sing for us today. You may have to share uh, with uh, one of your buddies there. But this is a song. Uh, we learned it earlier this year, a song that the McCamies did. We heard it on the radio, and I thought it'd be a good, uh, a good song. And, and these girls sing the verses on it, and we're going to back them up. And uh, hope there's one right here. I can do this one. Here's one more. All right. There you go. All right. Anyway, this song simply says, don't you listen to the words, God is good. And isn't that the truth tonight? I, he's never done us wrong. He's always concerned about us and about our best interest. He's a good God. I'm glad I preached this morning at the church over there in the book of Psalms, Psalm 61, where David said, when my heart was overwhelmed within me, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. And I'm glad when we're overwhelmed, when we're overcome, I'm glad he'll do that. You listen as they sing tonight, God is good. Always, always. 
Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise his name. Standing in the darkness. Sing it, girls. appreciate that song. I appreciate these young ladies singing that. We're going to do one. Um, Brother Jamie wanted me to sing this. This is a new song that the Lord gave me uh, some time back. And um, matter of fact, we've just recorded this and hopefully have our recordings back pretty soon in the next few weeks. And uh, actually, we'll have it up on iTunes if you're so inclined to go to that. We'll let it be known when that happens. You can get it there. But um, I wrote this song one day. I was just kind of in a, a, a low place, I guess you'd say. And um, I was reading some writings of an old writer of days gone by, and he made this statement. It said that whenever the enemy wants to touch a person's life, the first thing he wants to touch is their song. In other words, if he can take your song from you, if he can take your praise from you, he's got the victory over you. And that day, I felt like that the, the enemy had taken my song. I'd, I've written a lot of songs down through the years and sang a lot of songs. But that day, I didn't feel like I had one in me. I was just praying. I was talking to God. And I said, God, I feel like the devil's. Now, you, 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 you're naive if you don't think the devil ain't trying to take your song. The devil wants to silence your praise. He wants to silence your voice for God. And he'll hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer. Right. And I felt like that had happened to me. I just didn't feel like there's anything left in me. And that day I just told God, I said, God, I feel like he's taken my song. And all of a sudden that day, these words started coming. And I pinned them down. And it simply says, I have a song. Hope it'll bless you.
And from this place, where would I go? My heart was pained, my joy all gone. Then out of heaven, God gave a song. The battlefield leaves many scars. This gospel way is sometimes hard. But this whole world is not our home. We'll soon see Jesus and we'll sing our song. I have a song. My of days surround us here holding faith while fighting fear but I hear the sound of heaven's throne their voices raising a victory song I have a song This is a song I wrote about the same time that I wrote I'm Not Ashamed 30-some years ago. I wrote it in the same grocery store. I did a lot of working and thinking while I was working, praise God. But anyway, we're going to do it. It's a happy-type song, and we, we clap our hands on it. A lot of Baptists get tore up if you clap your hands. And, but I'm going to tell you what, until they take that out of your Bible where it says, Clap your hands, oh, you people. I just—I believe I'll just keep clapping them until they take that out of my Bible. Amen. Praise God. But anyway, we're going to try to do this, and I'm going to sing, try to sing it, and it's called "Joy Unspeakable." 
And I'm glad that he gave us that. Now, y'all going to have to sing out. Y'all done good on that right there. You were singing out good and loud. And I'm going to have to, I believe these girls is helping me tonight. Praise God. And I appreciate that. What key are we in? Does anybody know? Y'all got the piano and the organ so far apart. I need to send an email to tell them what I'm going to do. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm telling you one thing right now. Praise God. It, it's hard for us to get adjusted to our surroundings. What key are we in? Do anybody know? G, G, all right. I wrote this song. Don't even know what key it's in. Praise the Lord. But you listen to the words of it, not how we sing it, but just, you know, you've heard them singers. Now, don't listen to this the way we sing it. Just listen to the words. And I've often thought, well, why don't you just read the words off to us then if you don't want us to listen the way you sing it? Praise God. Amen. And, and then them that always gets up. Now, we don't claim to be no singers. What we do, we came to sing tonight, so we're claiming to be singers. Now, that claim may be, you may, you may be able to bring that into question after we get done, but we are claiming to be singers tonight, all right? Let's sing. We live in a world filled with hurt and pain, many dark days, the It's unbelievable since I met him. I've got joy unspeakable, happiness unreachable. Peace it's unbelievable since I met him. The crowds of saddened faces that pass our daily way. Well, they're searching for the answers to life's questions, so they say. But I found the secret of happiness with him. I found it at an altar. When I met him, I've got joy unspeakable, happiness unreachable, peace that's unbelievable. Since I met him, I've got joy unspeakable, happiness unreachable, peace that's unbelievable. Since I met him, I've got joy unspeakable, happiness unreachable, peace that's unbelievable. Since I Good singing choir, you can come down. Amen. 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 I'm on, I've asked Brother Colton, he's going to play a song to give me, let me catch my breath just a minute, if that's all right, preacher. And uh, I've already worked up a sweat, praise God. Amen, amen. I appreciate Brother Colton Fenner, and he's going he's to play something for you. God's gifted Brother Colton with a great gift, and we're thankful for that. You listen as he plays, and then I'll come and bring the message.
man. Amen. If I could play the piano like that, I'd do it a whole lot. I really would. Amen. I appreciate Brother Colton and God. I say he's, he's gifted, but Brother Colton has worked uh, ever since he was just a little, little fella learning to play like that, and he's worked hard at it. He loves to play, and we love to hear him. I appreciate, I appreciate seeing you here tonight. It's a blessing to be with God's people. I was asking the preacher, uh, for some reason I thought we didn't come last year because of the pandemic, but I, he reminded me tonight we did come last year, and y'all have just gotten into the church. And uh, I'm telling you one thing right now, when a preacher asks you to come and preach, you're in the middle of a pandemic and bring folks with you. Amen. But we had a good time. The Lord blessed us, and I'm, I'm thankful. I appreciate your pastor's friendship. I will say this. If you are so inclined to come and be with us, we're planning on our Thanksgiving Jubilee. We didn't have, get to have it last year. We were afraid because of the crowds that come with all that was going on last year. Uh, just, uh, But this year we are planning on trying to have it. We've got some great preaching, great singing lined up. Uh, just... Uh, uh, Brother Joe Bryant, Evangelist Joe Bryant, will be with us on Sunday night to kick off. Brother Rayton Puckett will be there on Sunday morning for us. Brother Rayton is 90 years old, and he can preach circles around me. And that's a, he's a blessing. On Monday and Tuesday night, Brother Tony Finney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Conestee, South Carolina, will be with us. A prince of a preacher, Brother Tony Finney, one of the greatest preachers that you'll hear. And he'll be there on Monday and Tuesday. On Wednesday, Brother Charles Worley from down around Maiden, North Carolina. Brother Worley's been my friend for over 30 some years and he's, he's up in years, but he's planning on being with us. On Thursday night, Brother Ken Bowman from Bowden, Georgia will be bringing the message. And then Friday night, Brother Kenny Kuykendall, pastor of the Crossroads Baptist Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And Brother Kuykendall is a great writer as well. He's written a lot of books, written a lot of uh, his prayer journal, the, recently I got that and now he's got a journal called the Overcomer Journal if you have a chance to get those they're a great asset Brother Kenny is gifted in that area and we've got great singing Edward's family will be with us uh, the Joy Heirs will be with us the Enlighteners will be with us the Rogers family the York family the Simple Faith Quartet uh, the Brady Rochester family just a host of good singing all week long And but most of all the preaching of God's word and the fellowship of God's people is one of the greatest things that comes out of our meeting. And I appreciate, you know, there ain't many of us left, so we ought to stick together, encourage one another. Amen. I appreciate, preacher, that, that gesture tonight to take up. We, matter of fact, we took offering this morning among our people for the Jubilee. We do that every year. We want to make sure we've got the meeting paid for before we go into the meeting. We don't ever, I don't like going to these meetings where they got to beg you and pick you up by the ankles and shake you upside down to make sure they get enough to take care of the, the meeting. I don't want to do that. And, and so, uh, and the Lord's blessed us to be able to do that, go into that every year with the, the meeting taken care of. And we thank you for, for that, caring about that. And if you have your Bible tonight, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11, and I want to give you just a simple thought. It don't take you long hanging around me to know that I'm just a simple preacher, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Matthew chapter number 11, and I want to read the, the last three verses in this chapter. These are the words of our Savior tonight as I'm reading. 
If you have a red letter Bible, it's there in red. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28, very familiar words. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, I pray now that you'd help me for just a few minutes in this place that I might bring a message that would challenge our hearts tonight. Lord, thank you for this church, these people. Thank you for this good pastor. Lord, I pray that you would continue to pour out your blessings in this place. In places like this all across our country, God, we need churches, Lord, that preach the truth in these days worse than we've ever needed them. And I pray, Father, you just continue to keep your hand on this place. I thank you for the fellowship that we've enjoyed with these folks. And, Lord, I pray that tonight now you'd encourage them through the word of God. And, Father, we're going to give you praise for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Very familiar verses that I've read tonight. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Aren't you glad for the day that you heard that call in your life? There was a day when you were laboring under the load of sin in your life, and all of a sudden a preacher preached the gospel, preached the word of God to you, and you heard that call, come unto me, and I will give you rest. And then here's the second part of what the Lord is saying. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We come and we leave our load with him, but then the next step as a child of God is learning of him. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. And then he comes down in the last verse, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That, that dispels every person that will tell you that it's hard serving the Lord. It's not hard serving the Lord if you're yoked up with him. If you are yoked up with him like you need to, oh, I'm not trying to say we don't have hard times in this life and we don't have hard roads in this life, but I'm going to tell you something. One of the easiest things you'll ever do, is, first of all, is get saved. And then the second easiest thing you'll do is to stay saved because you're not the one that's keeping you there. It's him that's doing it. I begin to think about that very thought of that idea of the yoke. If you study, of course, in Bible days, many times that was used in the implication of it was a um, piece of timber that they would fit to go around the animals' necks that they would use into the fields, the uh, yoke of oxen, and uh, many times it was the, the beasts of uh, burden that was used to uh, toil in the fields, if you will. Matter of fact, you read the story of Elijah and Elisha, and you, you see that Elisha was plowing with several yoke of oxen when Elijah came by and cast his mantle on him. And I thought about, and when you think about that idea of the yoke, I looked it up, that root word that that comes from here means this. It means a, uh, a, to join especially together by a yoke, a coupling for servitude is what that word yoke means. In other words, a yoke is kind of like a harness that they would put on that 
animal that the master would, in order to use that animal to bring forth a harvest, there had to first be a harness. I fear that in our churches we're desiring a harvest, but there's nobody that wants to get in the harness. We're desiring that we see fruit, and yet nobody is willing to submit themselves and say, God, here I am. I want you to put me in the yoke, and God, whatever you want me to do and however you want me to work, that's what I'll do, and I'm glad if we'll do that, God will do what he promised he'd do. I begin to think of that. I'm preaching on this subject, on the harness of God tonight. Matter of fact, as growing up as a boy, it was nothing strange for me to see some of those people that I and my family to plow with horses. They would, matter of fact, uh, my, my Uncle Paul, I remember one time he had a horse that he plowed some with. We were poor back when I was just a kid. My dad didn't have a tractor early on. And so in order for him to plow the garden, plow the field, he, he ended up buying a horse off of my Uncle Paul. I think it was so wild, my Uncle Paul couldn't do nothing with it, so he sold it to my dad. And uh, anyway, I remember as a boy, Vividly, my dad would harness that horse up and he would take it out uh, there in the field to plow the garden area and the, the, all that he needed to plow. And I would watch him plow with that horse. Matter of fact, I, I even did a little bit. He, he wanted me to know what it felt like to be behind the plow behind a horse. And so I remember, I, I'm old enough, some of y'all, how many of y'all have ever been behind a plow with a horse? Well, there's... I'm in an exclusive club tonight. I've seen about four hands go up here. But, but I know what it feels like to have a hold of that plow, and I know what it feels like to have that animal in front of you, and it's powering what you're doing. But in order for that to happen, before uh, anything was ever plowed up, before anything was ever planted, boy, the, the horse had to be harnessed. I brought a piece of harness with me tonight. I, I wanted to illustrate this message. I, this is a message I preached years ago and hadn't preached it in a long time. For some reason, God got to touching my heart about it the other day. And I said, these are, these are country enough folks down in Elizabeth, and they'll know what I'm talking about. And I, I brought a piece. Matter of fact, it's, a, it's an old bridle that uh, uh, I got that, uh, if I can get it straightened out here, and it's called a blinder bridle. Y'all ever seen a blinder bridle? You see, this thing would sit on that horse's face or mule or whatever you wanted to harness up. And as long as that is, I know some Baptists that it would fit them, that long face, and you wouldn't have to adjust it much. You really wouldn't. And, uh, uh, but anyway, I, I've, I've, I saw that old bridle, and I've got to thinking about you say, preacher, what is the harness of God? There are two things God uses to equip us and enable us to be in his service. Number one, the Holy Spirit, and number two, the Word of God. You'll never be used of God unless you're submitted to the Holy Spirit in your life. Unless the Spirit of God is filling your life, you'll never find a place of service. And if you're not submitted to his word, then you'll never be used in a great way for God. But I'm glad if we're willing to say, God, here I am. I want you to use your spirit in my life. And God, I want you to use your word in my life. And you'd be amazed at what God might do in your life 
for his honor and his glory. There's several things about the harness tonight that I'll give you and I'll be through. Number one, why do we need to be in the harness, preacher? We need it for discipline. That old horse that my dad had, it had a wild nature. Matter of fact, it didn't desire to do anything that my dad wanted it to do. And in order for that to happen, that nature had to be broken. And finally, it had to get to the point, what you would do, you'd put this on that horse, and this thing's got what's called bits here that goes in the horse's mouth. And the funny thing about that, when they would put that on the horse, I've never seen a horse just open up its mouth and say, here I am, go ahead and put it on. But I've seen a few times that old horse was like some Baptist I've seen when you was preaching to them, sat there and clenched their teeth. And you had to force the bit in their mouth. But once you, see that horse knew this, once you got the bits in its mouth, he knew it was game over. He knew that then the master had control. I've thought about that. Wouldn't it be great if some Baptist folks said, the first thing on that horse that came in subjection was its mouth. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if we could get some Baptist folk in the harness? Amen. And that old horse, James even said, he said, we put bits in the mouths of horses and we turn the horse's whole body when we put the bits in the mouth, can I say to you, every one of us need the discipline of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in our life. You cannot walk right. You cannot walk the right direction. You cannot be productive and fruitful in your life without those two things guiding your life. Hallelujah to his name. Oh, we need it for discipline. Not only do we need it for discipline, you need it for direction. Them horses understood a language that I don't really still to this day don't really understand where it came from, but they understood words like G and haul. For the life of me right now, I can't tell you what G means or haul. I don't know what I was telling that horse when I told it that, but the horse seemed to know. So that must have been a language that I, I don't know. It must, must have been a horse language. But anyway, but that old horse, you know, sometimes... He would try to veer off and he would try to go another direction. All of a sudden, the master would go to tugging on the reins. Have you ever felt the Lord tugging the reins of your heart? Have you ever felt him and you was going, getting ready to make a decision and all of a sudden, Holy Ghost said, wait a minute, don't go there, don't do that. You're going this way. I hear young people, they say, preacher, how do I know what God's will is for my life? I said, submit yourself to the word of God and get filled with the Holy Spirit and then listen and let God guide you in your life. I tell them this, I said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. If you'll get God in the right place, you'll get Jesus first place in your life. He'll put everything else in place in your life. Hallelujah to his name. Growing up, I had no desire to be a preacher. Matter of fact, I, I grew up, I wanted to be a cowboy. I sure did. I, that's all I wanted to do was be a cowboy. I saw him on TV, and man, I was excited about being a cowboy. 
but I had no idea that I'd end up being a preacher. But you see, there was a day that I said, after God saved me, there was a day that I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And then you better be careful what you tell him you'll do because he's liable to ask you to do the very thing that you didn't think he'd ask you to do. And here I was, and he began to deal with me about preaching. I tried to get out of it. I said, God, I'll sing, I'll teach, I'll help the pastor, I'll do whatever I can. And God just said, no, said, you ought to preach. I said, but I can't preach, God. He said, I know you can't. That's why I'm a calling you, praise God. He said, if, if you could preach, I wouldn't need you. But since you can't, I'll just have you to depend on me. If you'll just yoke up with me, I'll take you places you would have never been in your life. There's a lot of places I've went in my life, and when I get there, I'll say, how in the world did I get here? Amen. I got to thinking about that. I'll tell you how I got here. I'll tell you how, how I ended up in Elizabethan, Tennessee tonight. There was a day that I submitted myself to the Word of God and the Spirit of God in my life and God has led me and God has directed me and he has taken me, hallelujah, to some wonderful places. David said, the lines have fallen me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I'm glad, praise God. Listen, there's a lot of places God has taken, but it took me listening to the voice of God. Old preacher that's in heaven now, Brother Bob Steele, evangelist from over in the Bristol area, was a dear friend of mine. And Brother Bob was telling me one night, he heard me preach this message, and he came up to me after the service and said, Preacher, he said, I love that message. I need to tell you what happened to us one time. He said, we were traveling, going somewhere to a church, and said, we stopped off at a hotel to, for the night to rest. We were traveling to another state. And he said, uh, in the hotel lobby, we saw they had a poster up said they were having a horse pull down at the fairgrounds. And he said, I've always loved those type things. And he said, I looked at the start time, and it had, it had already started. And he said, I told my friend that was with me, he said, if we hurry, we might catch the last part of that thing. So they, they checked in the hotel, got down to the fairgrounds real quick, and he said, we got there right almost to the end. Said they'd come down, they'd had all them teams of horses pulling, and it'd come down to the finale of two teams of horses left to see which one won the prize that night. And he said, so we just settled in to watch it, and he said there were two teams of horses. Said there was one large team of horses, and the owner that was there and said then there was another smaller team of horses that uh, was there with their owner and said they kind of flipped a coin or something to see which one pulled first. And he said that night the big team of horses, it fell their lot to be the first one to pull. He said they hooked those horses up to the weight that night and said uh, uh, the, the, the owner was waiting on them to give him the signal for when to pull. And he said all of a sudden they gave the signal and said that owner began to slap those horses with those reins and began to uh, yell at them and said those horses started pulling and fighting and struggling. Said they pulled and they pulled and they pulled and they pulled it as far as they could pull it till finally they had to stop. And he said uh, they pulled it a pretty good ways. He said they unhooked those horses, said they pulled the weight back and the smaller team of horses. He said they... Uh, told him, he said, bring your horses and hook them up. And he said, that man brought that smaller team of horses out there. And he said they hooked them up and said they uh, gave him the signal to begin pulling and said he didn't immediately do anything. He just kind of looked over the crowd. And he said, all of a sudden, preacher, I don't know what in the world that man said to those horses, but he just spoke to them. And said, all of a sudden, they just stepped up and they tightened those trace chains and just stood there. And he said, he looked over the crowd again and said, 
he said something else to him, and he said, all of a sudden, those horses started pulling the small team now. And he said they pulled, and preacher, they pulled the weight farther than the big team did. And he said, I got to thinking about how one master was beating his animals. One master was yelling at them, and, one was, and they were struggling. They were fighting. And he said, but here's this little team. All he did was speak to them quietly. And I thought about, boy, I'll tell you, if I've got to have God to talk to me, I don't want him to have to whip me. I don't want him to have to, I don't want him to have to, uh, in a way, I want, him to, I want to be able to hear him speak. Hallelujah to his name. Oh, it's for our direction. It's for our discipline. Oh, when you think about this, it's for our determination. I've watched them horses, and they'd be plowing with them, and they'd be getting weary in the day, and, and all of a sudden, they had hit a rough patch of ground, rocky patch. And I've watched those horses when that would happen. The harness would tighten up on their bodies, and it's almost like subconsciously those animals realized that the pulling's getting a little harder now, and I've got to bear down and pull just a little harder. And I'd see those horses when the, they'd hit the rough patch, they'd that, that harness would tighten up and it's almost like them horses put their head down and pull harder than they had all day long. That's where I first found out that those weren't Baptist horses. <laughs> they'd have been Baptist horses and the plowing was easy. All of a sudden they hit a rough patch. They'd have stopped and said, I didn't sign up for this. I'm going back to the barn. <laughs> you know what our churches need tonight? Not people that just pull when everything's easy. Not people who just pull when the ground's soft, but when the church hits a rocky patch like we've been in for the last year and a half. I'll tell you what our churches need. Need some people that said, God, by your grace and by your mercy, I want to stay in the harness. When my church is struggling, I want to get in there and dig harder than I've ever dug. I want to get, listen, I'm going to give you everything I've got, God. Hallelujah to his name. And I'm glad, listen, I'm more determined now to serve him, to love him, to lift up his name than I've ever been. Praise God. A lot of people falling by the wayside in these days. I'm taking other paths. But I said, hallelujah, I'm just going to stay in the road God put me in. I'm going to try to finish it out and bring honor and glory unto his name. Amen. Oh, it's for our determination. If you get in the word of God and the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit will help you with that determination because when you get down, you can't stay down. You know why you can't stay down? Because the Holy Spirit has an upward pull. One of these days the trumpet's going to sound and it's going to pull us plumb out of this world. Amen. Hallelujah. Every day, I, every step I took as a sinner was a downward step toward hell. But the day he saved me, he put the Holy Spirit in me, and it's an upward pull. That's why when I get down, I can't stay down because he's pulling me up. He said, you know what? Get up. We're going on. Hallelujah to his death. Aren't you glad for that determination God gives us? Oh, not only is it for our discipline, it's for our direction, it's for our determination. I'll tell you what it'll do. Get in the harness and it'll eliminate the distractions in your life. You know what this is called? It's called a blinder bridle. On the sides of this bridle, two pieces of leather on either side that's about to where the eyeballs on that animal is. And when you put this on this horse, he can't see nothing behind him. He can't see nothing to this side or that side unless he turns his head. All he can focus on is the end of the row. Paul must have been in the harness when he said forgetting those things 
which are behind. Paul said, and you know what? That distractions just throw us off of what God wants us to do. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It's time we get some blinders on. You say, but preacher, everything's bad. Everything's crazy. Every, I know it is. I realize that. But if you don't get in the harness with God and blind yourself to some of that, you're not going to make it, friend. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If you'll get in the harness, I'm glad God help you forget the things that's behind. He'll help you even in the everyday walk of life. Hallelujah to his name. I'm glad he'll eliminate distractions in your life. You say, preacher, why do I need to get in a harness? Well, the harness just helps distribute the load over the whole body. When they put that harness on them horses, that yoke, when you think about it, I was reading one commentator and he said this, when you look at that wooden yoke that they would put on those oxen, just to look at it on the surface, it looks like a torture device. I mean, it looks like something that you're torturing that animal with. He said, when really what it is, it's an instrument of mercy. He said, that yoke helps that animal bear a load that it could not bear any other way without injuring that animal. <laughs> you think about that. Let me tell you something right now. If you're getting a harness with him, you say, I've got a heavy load. I know, and it'll kill you if you try to carry it by yourself. But if you get in a harness with God and let him yoke up with you, He'll help you carry loads that you never thought you could carry in this life. Oh, I thought about this. It helps distribute the load. You see, I've never seen anybody hook a plow to a horse's tail. <laughs> Matter of fact, that would, be, that would be injurious to that horse. I've never even seen him hook a plow to his leg. But I have seen him hook a plow to that horse through the harness. And the harness is what, you see, the whole body. See, that's why we need folks in the harness in our churches so the load can be spread over the whole body. If your preacher's carrying the whole load, pretty soon he's going to burn out. But if you'll get in the harness with him, I promise you this, you'll be able to carry loads you didn't think you could carry, and it'll help this congregation if you'll serve, find a place of service. When you think about it, it distributes the load. I thought about this, and I'm about done tonight. It, not only does it distribute the load, but I'm glad it's for display to a lost and dying world. There's a famous team of horses. The company that owns them, I don't like the company. I don't like the product that they produce and sell. And y'all know right now where I'm going with this. But there's a team of horses that's world famous called the Clydesdales. Beautiful animals, immaculate and, of course, the Anheuser-Busch Company. Talking to a fellow one time, he was with the fire department down in North Carolina, and they were doing a fundraiser. And they was going to have a horse pull, and he said, somebody got the idea, said, if we could get them to bring the Clydesdales, that'd bring a lot of people in just to see those animals, and we could sell a lot of tickets and raise a lot of funds. And so they did that. They contacted that company, and they asked them if they would, and they, they agreed to bring. And he said uh, he had to meet. They said there was a team of men that brought those horses, three men that traveled with those horses. And he said when they got there, said each man had a specific job that he was to do. He said one man was specifically there for the diet and the water of those horses. They had their diet was immaculate. They had to they had it down to the, I mean just down to the finite portion what to feed those animals, when to feed them. And he said that was his job solely, just to feed the animals. He said the other man was, uh, his job was, before they could ever go out in public, is, of course, 
Somebody had to put the harness on them, had to brush the animals, and this man, it was his job to do that. But he said the final man, this was his sole job. He got paid full time to do this. After the harness was on those animals, this man, before they could go out in public view, before anybody could see them, this man had to go over every square inch of the harness with a cloth and polish it so that not a human fingerprint could be seen on the harness. He said that was his whole job. And I thought about that because when you see them out in public, they're immaculate. He said, they said, we don't want to see a human fingerprint on what we're doing here. I said, wouldn't that be great if we'd get in the harness to the point that we wouldn't see man's imprint on the church, but we'd see what God has done? Oh, I'm glad, praise God, it's for display. And finally, if you get in the harness, it'll be for your delight. I remember when my dad would plow with that horse. He always took care of his animal, but it seemed like on the days that he worked that animal pretty hard, when he'd take it to the barn, he'd give it a little extra feed in the box. He'd give it a little something extra special. That animal had served him well that day, and it was almost like he said, I appreciate your day's work. And I got to thinking about that. One of these days, we're going to step out of this realm, and we're going to a place where the master... For those who have labored, those, and sometimes they've labored in obscurity. Nobody's known their names, but yet they've served God and they've labored for God and they've labored. And when they get there, I promise you this, the master has got something special prepared for us when we get to that place. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I want to hear him say, well done. I just, um, a couple of weeks ago, went down and took, Part had a little part in the funeral service for a dear friend of mine, Dr. Larry Brown, went home to glory. And I felt so little to even try to say anything in his funeral. But I thought about that preacher for 40-some years, started that work down there, and God's blessed it mightily and fought battles like you wouldn't even believe throughout 40 years of ministry. But the day that he took his last breath here, I have a feeling the Savior was waiting there and he said, come on, come on, servant. You've, you've done a good job. I've got a little something for you over here. I don't know about you, and that, it may not mean much to you, but I'm glad that God is a rewarder of his people. I'm glad one of these days when we get there, it, I know heaven be just enough reward just to get to heaven, but you know what? God's so good, he didn't just leave it at that. He said, those who've labored, those who've served. He said, I'm going to honor them when they get to that. So I'm glad, praise God, heaven is a place of reward. And I want to make sure when I get to that place that I've done what he wanted me to do. I'm talking about getting in the harness. You see, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. I got thinking about that yoke. See, it yokes two animals together. I thought about when I got saved, the Lord said, get in the yoke with me. See, if you yoke two animals together, both of them got to pull. But when you yoke in with the Lord, he does the pulling. You just walk with him. Amen. Amen. That's a little countryfied deep for some of y'all right there. I'm talking about I've just done my best to walk with him. He's done the pulling. 
And there's been days I've been discouraged and I felt like I couldn't go on. He said, oh, yeah, you can. My yoke is easy and my burdens light. Church, I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know we're living in difficult days. You get weary. But if there's ever been a day that we need to get in the harness for God, it's in the day we live.